Hello, and welcome to the Neff Canyon Ward podcast. My name is Tyler Slade, and I'm excited to bring you all the cool people of our neighborhood and ward. The goal of this podcast is for all of us to get to know each other better, to create unity through sharing our experiences with others in the gospel. All right, we are here with Richard and Kathy Black. We're so excited to be in the beautiful home, lit, white, and awesome and open. I love it. It's a beautiful home. So thanks for having us. You're welcome. And uh, we also have with me uh, uh, Tom Frederick and Gary Beaner. So as you'll hear voices, you'll at least know the names. I've uh, been getting a little bit of feedback that I haven't introduced my counselors. Mm. Like, who's that voice? So now... Was it your wife? No, who was that? It was somebody. I think it was Sister... Oh, I can't remember now. It'll come to me. But anyways, it's good to be here. Thanks for having us. Um, and uh, so far, Kathy has only, hasn't made me pay the $20 to make her do this. It's coming. <laughs> um, but we're excited. So thank you. Um, and and we're just, we just want to talk and get to know a little bit more about you. And we'll, I think we'll start, Richard, with you. Why don't you tell the ward a little bit about where you're from, uh, your schooling, uh, where you grew up, stuff like that. Okay. Uh, I was born and reared in Salt Lake here. My uh, parents were educators. My mother taught at Granite High School and my father was a professor at the U. And uh, they were both into education and so uh, I had a brother. Uh, we lived over in the Parleys area. Most of my growing up years went to Highland High School. Uh, I went to Highland High School, interestingly enough, for six years. Uh, not that I right? was held back. <laughs> <laughs> back in, when we were going to school, uh, Clayton, Irving, and um, Hillside were all full. And so they opened up a room at Highland High School, which had just opened in, eight, in 1956. I started in '60 there and uh, they started the seventh grade with about 200 students and then they cut off every year after uh, my my grade and so I went and graduated from there um, my father was um, my mother and father were wonderful people they were very active in the church my father was the executive secretary in party stake for uh, 13 years for five consecutive stake presidents back in those days, which was sort of an unheard of thing, but he was the, um, he had the historical memory and they needed him so they could remember what took place in, in the past. And so he did that until yeah, he retired. I went to Highland High School. Uh, Did you play sports there? Or played what? sports there, played uh, football, I was a quarterback on the football team. We took state my year. It was kind of a fun year. During my senior year, we took state in eight different sports. Oh, wow. We had quite an exceptional class of outstanding people, and uh, we had a, a wonderful experience in doing a lot of things like that. Uh, I went to the University of Utah for one year, and then I went and served a mission in the Western States. I was in, headquartered in Denver, spending most of my time 
right in Denver in the mission home. I was the mission secretary for a while and then assistant for a while and uh, had a wonderful experience there. Came home and went back to the University of Utah where I studied pre-med and uh, got involved in uh, various activities there in uh, fraternity and then Sigma, or I mean uh, uh, the LDS Student Association became an officer there. Did and you play football? No, I did yeah. never play football in college. Okay. I was never great. I was a mediocre, enthusiastic. State champion. <laughs> State champion. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, but then uh, I was trying to get into medical school, so I just sort of hunkered down and went to do that. And then I met Kathy. Uh, in an institute class, we were lined up by an old missionary companion of mine who was Kathy's mother's cousin. And so we got and dated and, and we got married uh, our senior year in college. Um, we moved into University Village and there I served in a bishopric there. And uh, Eventually, um, I was in the bishopric of a student ward back there when there was two student stakes at the University of Utah. And I was in the bishopric and we had a, on the Sunnyside building behind the church, there was a landlocked piece of land of about five acres. And the church owned it, but did nothing with it. And it was bounded by the uh, Immigration Creek on one side and Sunnyside Park, and then uh, University Village on the other. And so, interestingly enough, the um, agent bishop in that ward was uh, Richard Madsen. Well, and I got to know him very well, and I proposed to him that we use that land to build a ballpark for the students, because back in those days, it was very difficult to find ballparks anywhere in the city to play sports, hmm. softball. Yeah, we used those. So uh, uh, they, uh, I asked President Madsen, if, or Bishop Madsen at the time, if he would uh, sponsor us, and so he wrote a letter to the First Presidency and got permission to use the land. And so they released me from my bishopric position and put me on the high council so I could raise money and be the person who helped build the ballpark. Mm -hmm. So I got one of my neighbors who was an architect student, one who was an electrical engineer, one was a mechanical engineer, one was a construction guy. And we formed a committee and we decided to build the ballpark and we raised $35,000 got volunteer labor from various construction companies and people and built this ballpark. And it's, it's more than one, right? Diamond? No, it's one diamond, but they're on that ballpark. There's a play area, play area for kids, okay. a picnic area, an amphitheater, and a full-size baseball diamond with the backstop, the whole works. Mm, okay. And we put in irrigation. Is it and still there? Lights. Hmm? Is it still there? Yeah. yeah. You go over they there. They others. Right. Yeah, if you go over there, just go behind the Sunnyside building and you'll see it. Oh. It's a wonderful thing. And uh, President Tanner of the First Presidency came out and dedicated that space. 
Well, that's awesome. It was a wonderful experience for doing that. Yeah. And then... Uh, 1970 then? Or? That was, I finished uh, medical school in 74, so it was dedicated in 73. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you entered to medical school there? The I was in medical school then uh, when I was in the bishopric and then on the high council, and then we uh, had to leave town after that. <laughs> no, we, I, I, out. <laughs> I uh, went to Duke University for my internship and first years of residency. And uh, Wow. But I was very active in the church back then. And then when I got to Duke, I became inactive in the church for two years. And Kathy took over. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I was on call. Oh, I yeah. mean, I was at the hospital. Yeah. Uh, 36 out of 48 hours for two years. So you were just physically. I never went home on Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. I just, never, that was not an option. So she took care of the family, went to church, became in the primary president, primary president, wasn't it? And very active in the Durham ward. And every time I'd go to church, they would come Who's up this? and welcome me and, Offer me cookies. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Kathy, tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from and kind of the same. Um, I have also born and raised in Salt Lake City. Uh, I went to East High. Another East High? Leopard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Highland was our crosstown rival. It was mm-hmm. a fun time. Um, and then I went to the U and was a Delta Gamma and sorority and studied music. I, I was in piano performance for a couple of years uh, and got tired of living in the basement of the music hall and so I, in the practice rooms, so I switched majors to English. We graduated in English and we both graduated at the same time because, and I had to hurry up because I had been and finish up all of my hours to graduate because I had been so involved in student government that I had squandered, as my father used to call say, squandered my college experience, <laughs> academic experience, because I had become so involved. And this was in the 60s. Um, and I got very uh, involved in the civil rights movement, and I became a student by officer and um, student rights and um, many other things. Uh, activities, uh, political activities on campus. So I was really happy to be able to finish up on time though because I knew we were leaving town and in the meantime we'd had three children. Uh, Not before I graduated but before we left town, during medical school we had. During medical school. Three three children. This is before going to Duke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We went back and forth across the country couple of different times um, and always drove ourselves and the U-Haul van. Mm-hmm. So Richard drive the van and I drive the car with the kids and go back well, and did, You didn't want to do that again, Rich? Oh, man. <laughs> we did what an experience. We went from Salt Lake to North Carolina, then back to Salt Lake, then back to Cincinnati, and then back to Salt Lake. Wow. So it was, I think, finally the last time. We actually yeah. got a moving company that moved us back to mm-hmm. Salt Lake, and we, were, and we moved into the Parley Stake. And lived there for um, about 22 years before we moved here to 
the Neff's Canyon Warden. And you're in so the Parley Stake. Parley Stake and all of our children um, went to Highland High. So how many kids? We have six sons and one daughter. Wow. And um, they are our life and our joy and our grandchildren. We have 21 grandchildren and so happy to be part of their lives and feel really lucky that they live close by. And you have one living actually here with you? This is, we have a granddaughter. Our oldest grandchild is Rachel and she has moved into our guest house with her husband. They've been married Tavita. less than a year. Tavita. Tavita. Yes. And they did those talks. Their sacrament oh. talks. Were you guys there for that? We missed it. I oh. was sick about it. Oh, no, we were out of town. We were in Arizona. I was like, well, either Kathy or Rich are like really, really good at raising kids because you can always see it in the second generation. And <laughs> my wife said it was Kathy, so sorry, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give her all the credit. <laughs> no. They did a fantastic no, job. His DNA came through really strong. <laughs> Hey, Kathy, you're a Mormon, right? I am. Tell us how you're related to Julie. Okay, Julie Johansson oh. is my first cousin, and her father was Rick Warner, and my father was Homer Warner, so oh. they were brothers. Um, and Julie and I grew up together. It was really fun to have a cousin that was that close in age. She was actually my, my uh, brother Steve's um, age in school. But we were at East High together and always at family activities together. The Warner family is a very close clan and we um, always had family get-togethers and it was, so it was really fun to grow up with so, Julie. Side note, I didn't know this, but I started my car career at Rick Warner Nissan. Did you really? Yeah. Ooh, so okay. this was actually after Rick had sold the business to Ray Norda. Yeah. Okay. So, so I never knew Rick, but worked for Rick Warner. That's fun. It's so, good to know. Yeah. I got to know Gil Warner. Did you know Gil? Yeah, uncle then. Yes. He is my uncle. Uh-huh. His uh, daughter was in the singles one. Okay. Yes, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, Gil is the youngest of the four. So yeah. my father, Homer, and is the oldest, and then Rick, and then Emma Lou Thane is mm -hmm. the daughter, and then Gil. Mm-hmm. Those are the four. They have quite a progenitor. So there's other project. Warners in the Cove, right? There are other Warners in the Cove? Yeah. Are there? Um, That's my son. Julie. Oh, I thought She's, Bart for some reason. Oh, oh yeah, Bart's up there. Yeah. He's Bart a is also. I, I meant, yeah, yeah, Cove. Bart is also. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's up in David's ward, up in the locals. Yeah. Okay. Cove ward. Our son Dave is um, the bishop of the Olympus cool. Cove ward. No, I did not know that. See, we're learning on this. is great. This is why we do it. Because I always have to connect the dots for someone who isn't an old timer in the stake. Like, because oh, everybody has connections. I'm like, wow, I did not know that. Know. So, any other family connections? <laughs> not in the cove. All right. But we're newcomers to the cove. We are, you know, when you raise your children to other places and then move here after they were all gone, it's it's hard to make those connections mm -hmm. because you don't have the history together. But I have to say we have really, really loved our, our um, almost 20 years that we've been here, 19. So tell us a little bit more years. about how you guys met. I want more of that. How did that go <laughs> and who, 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 who made the move? And <laughs> Well, um, my mother's cousin lined us up, as Rich said, and uh, I was 
not very uh, happy about dating mature missionaries at that point in my life. I, I was a little bit of a rebel, and though and you were I. Picking. I was at yeah, yeah, <laughs> storming the capital. <laughs> no, I was not. But I um, anyway. I I said to this friend, this mutual friend, that I would I would go out with him, and it was it was fine. Um, the, <laughs> Must have been better than that. <laughs> no, the first two dates were not great. The first the first two dates, Clyde and Debbie did all the talking. Rich and Rich drove, and so we were in the front seat, and the and cute Debbie and Clyde just talked the whole night. I don't think we hardly ever said a boo to each other. Then we went to a fireside and never spoke the whole night because we were listening to the speaker. Yeah, I mean the first two days were kind of a no. It was kind of a it was not great, but I knew who he was because he had dated a friend of mine in high school. So, and I thought he was really handsome. There you go. Uh -huh. There we so go. So I was willing to, you yeah, know, okay. give it another third, <laughs> third chance. No, we're just. Uh, it just took us a little while, but once it clicked, we were engaged in six months and married in nine. Once you started speaking, we, yes, we got acquainted. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Anyway, so so Rich, so then you become, you finish Duke, you become now a full fledged doc. Tell us a little bit about your practice and. Um, I went to Duke to become a cardiothoracic surgeon, and I went there at the behest of Russell Nelson. Oh, you, wow. You may have no, heard yeah, of him. Yeah, I think I, yeah. I'm trying <laughs> to get him on the next podcast, so stay tuned. <laughs> when I was a senior in medical school, a junior and a senior, during my summers, I spent as his research assistant at the LDS hospital in his surgical research lab. Hmm. When he would go to the OR, I would go to the OR. When he'd make rounds, I'd make rounds. And then I would operate on the dogs and he would come in and do the critical part. And then I would take care of everything after that. And we did several so, experiments. He so, went into so, that so, in, so. His, in his book uh, quite a bit. So that's interesting to me. Yeah, it was a marvelous time for me because he was, he was the premier cardiothoracic surgeon in Salt Lake City. Sure. And he was revered by everybody. Everybody loved him and for good reason because he was an incredible gentleman. He always treated everybody very well. He always uh, treated his residents well where other surgeons treated their residents very poorly. And he was wonderful and it was a wonderful time. And Rich, I think, um, was able to get that job because President Nelson was a good friend of my father's. They had grown, right. he and dad had been at the Mayo Clinic together. And so when they came back to Salt Lake, that was the connection. And so I spent the time and then he recommended that I go to Duke. Mm. And he called the chairman and, and when I got to Duke to do my interviews, I walked in and not knowing anybody in the whole place, and the elevator door opened and there was a guy in a white coat and he came out and said, Oh, Brother Black, so glad to see you. Not Brother No, <laughs> Dr. Black. Uh, uh, Russell Nelson <laughs> called me and told me you were coming and da 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 and how's Kathy and on and on and on. All these things. He was such a, wow. a wonderful lead-in for me, and so I could not go to Duke. 
<laughs> you know, so I was going to go there to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. And then I got way late along the way, and I was going to be a plastic surgeon because I really loved that. And, uh, and then I uh, had an opportunity to come back to Salt Lake because at Duke, everybody left for four years right in the middle of the residency to go to the research lab. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be a researcher my whole life. So I had an opportunity to come back to Salt Lake. I came back and finished my surgery residency here and worked at Primary Hospital and got to know a fellow by the name of Dale Johnson, who was the uh, pediatric surgeon here. I got loving that practice, and he recommended that I go such and such a place. And so I did, and I got accepted to the training program. Back when I went there, there was only 13 training programs in the country, and they would each take one guy. Out of 250 applicants, there was 13 Jeez. that were accepted. And I was fortunate to be one of those, and I went to Cincinnati for two years and did my fellowship in pediatric surgery. And then I uh, had a job waiting for me here at Primary Children's when I came home because of my experience there. What year were you in Cincinnati? I was there in 75 and 76. So how long were you at Primary Children's? I was there for 35 years 35 as a pediatric years. surgeon. So that, that encompass all surgery or was there a... It, the primary specialty is to do infants and children with congenital anomalies. That's what I did my training in. Sure. But you also, since I was a board certified general surgeon, which I had to do before you could start pediatric surgery, my training took me seven years from the time I started as an intern at Duke until I finished. Sure. And the last two years were my fellowship, and that's where I got my specialty. And I came here to work at primary because that's where all the kids are done. But you do a lot of general surgery along the way. We were the trauma surgeons. Yep. We took care of all the kids that were in car accidents, bicycle accidents, falls, stuff like that. You stood up a lot of beaners, too, across the street. Yes, I did. We had a big, long uh, person's table like this. That was for mica, white for mica, mm. and it was, became the the neighborhood sort of operating table. So operating we knew table. about you before you moved into the club. Yeah, <laughs> and he'd sew up all the football so players he, and the yeah. wrestlers and all the neighborhood kids and the whole family. So did you get like a Cafe Rio punch card, like the twelfth? Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. my cousin across the street. That's quite right. Active. Yeah, Carol and Carol's kids. Yeah. So in a primary hospital. Uh, I remember talking to President Nelson when I was working for him. Sure. Back in those days, most doctors were not active in the church and didn't participate much. And I said, I worried about that because, you know, they, most people put you on the back burner because they think you're too busy. And he said, well, just keep working at it and, and just do your best and things will work out. So when I came back to the party stake area, I was the scoutmaster for a while, and then, then I was a bishop of that party's ward, ward for uh, five years, and then uh, put on a high council up at the U for many years. And How many different times? 
I've been a high counselor in five different areas. Jeez. Mm -hmm. uh, four of them at the university and one of them here at this here. Um, I never did get it right, so <laughs> they kept <laughs> me the opportunity. And then I served in the stake presidency of Parley Steak. And I got to know about this steak because Jim Becker, his brother-in-law, was my stake president, a guy named Miles Holman. And so we heard all about the issues of not having any young people in the stake back in those days. You know, there was probably a handful of deacons and teachers and priests or something. And then when we moved in the ward, it was kind of that way. Yeah. And then it's completely changed since then, which is a wonderful thing. But I served them many years, and then I served many different opportunities at the university uh, and leadership and, and surgery and all that stuff. And then we retired when I was 70 because they make it so difficult to be a surgeon past 70 because they think you're going to hurt somebody. Mm. So they. So you didn't necessarily want to retire. It was just. Oh, yes, he wanted to. Oh. My practice was uh, taking care of kids whenever they would come in. And unfortunately, my practice was in the night almost all the time. Yeah. I was up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of nights. And then I'd have to work all the next day. So it became pretty old after a while. I was pleased to get rid of my beeper at the end. Wow. But we worked right up to the very end. So tell us, Rich, about, so, I mean, obviously you've shared a lot there, but your spiritual journey while doing all this, it sounded like there was some people along the way that really helped with that, including President Nelson. But, you know, from a testimony standpoint, you know, when did you, like, uh, when did you convert to the gospel? and What did that look like in your life? You know, I don't remember a time when I didn't believe. I remember when I was a deacon how important the church was to me back then. And it never had changed. I was uh, committed as a, as a missionary. I never did question. And I served. And uh, I continued to serve. I never really questioned and I never did have an aha moment about, oh yeah, the church is now true. I always believed it to be true. And I think that may be a credit to my parents. They were good people. They taught the gospel in our homes. And, and so, so how hard was it at Duke when you just couldn't go to church? Well, it was tough. It was tough. Um, but I didn't have a choice. Yeah. You know. I have to say one of the things that I did with the children while we were at Duke. Yeah, you raised a wonderful film. <laughs> <laughs> Was that in order for them to see their father, um, I would fix dinner at night, put a, the dinner on a plate, and then put all the kids in the car, and we'd go over to the hospital, and Rich would come out of the emergency room door and come out to the car, and we parked in the parking lot where there was a little grass. Like a tailgate picnic. It was a tailgate yeah, picnic, and he'd sit there and talk to the kids, play with them for a few minutes, and go back in the, house, in the hospital. Otherwise, they would never have really that's, been able to see I it. love that picture that you just painted. No, that's <laughs> was, really cool. It was a busy, busy time. It was. It was. Ugh. But it was a great time. We had a. Um, I loved living away from Salt Lake. Did you? Absolutely loved the church. What, what was it about it that you liked? Well, I loved the church away from Salt Lake because it was, the church was your family. And 
yeah. they weren't just your friends. They became your dear, dear friends yeah. um, whom you relied on, especially when our husbands were, were gone. Um, you know, the other wives uh, became very close. Um, <clears throat> and we were so far away in those days, you know, parents didn't drop everything and hop on the plane and go help you when you had a baby or whatever. I mean, we were there alone. Sure. And it was a tremendous growing experience. I felt like we grew in the church. I felt like I grew in the church. I felt like the kids were really supported. It was a, it was a really, um, you had to be strong and it, you were tested and it was a great time. Um, because I feel like we emerged stronger for it. And then we moved back here for a couple of years. And, and then when we moved to Cincinnati, we also, um, became really, really good friends with whoever was in our ward. In our ward. And it, it was valuable, really valuable. And I loved, I loved being different than everybody else instead of the same as everybody else. And I know that's kind of a funny way to put makes, it. But, no, it makes perfectly good um, sense. I wish that I had been able to raise children um, with being the only ones in their high school. I think you have really strong kids. There's some advantages there. There are really some advantages. Um, and I love the Midwest. Oh, I love the Midwest. I, I, it's very family-oriented. Um, everybody is really involved in their religion, no matter what, whether they're Jewish or whether they're Catholic or those were our neighbors. And everybody was sort of moving in the same direction and the same values. I just, I was sad to leave the Midwest. I really we were, they were very respectful of us being members of the church, our neighbors in our immediate area there in Cincinnati. And we had a good association with them, but we loved the members of the church and we still see them. The, yeah. The, we do have cadre of about five or six families. We still get together from Cincinnati. Nobody's Wallace. He's one of them. He was one of them. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, he was my stake president when I was there. Really? really? Yeah, he was the stake president. Well, did you work for Procter & Gamble? No, no. No, I was back there in the explosives. But uh, okay. his was one of the families we got close to. He oh, was the aren't they the president. best family? Yeah. He you know they've when, moved here? Yeah. yeah oh. my, kids, my kids and their kids kind of are connected a bit. Yeah, they so are. Right like Budge and his wife were called to North Carolina when we were called to Scotland. Oh, at the same time, Yeah, huh? so we met them wow. in, in the mission home. Oh, this is a common yeah. experience, by the way. Tom, usually in a podcast, can make a connection <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Someone, yeah. Well, when you've lived in the same city. Oh, that's cool. In fact, the guy that baptized me was in the stake back there. Um, you probably didn't know him. His name was Daryl Hodgson. Hodgkin. Yes, certainly know him. He's the other one. He was oh. a good friend of mine. Oh, was he? Yes. Oh, my that is God. Great. This yeah. is amazing. He's a good guy. We really liked him. Oh, we should get him there. <laughs> oh, man. You know, he was a missionary under Percy Fetzer. Really? Yeah. I didn't know Percy that. Percy Fetzer was in the Stratford Ward over there when I was growing up when I was a deacon. I remember that. Oh, wow. <laughs> the small world in the wow. church. I love this. Seriously. Anyway, when we were at Duke, we got the opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. for the temple dedication when the D.C. temple was first. Oh, you got to go back, don't you? Do the well, next one. I we ought know. to, but we. <laughs> but it was a wonderful time. And he, he had a weekend off every six weeks. So we have three days. So 
we'd put all the kids in the car and pick him up at the hospital and drive out to the Outer Banks. Cincinnati's, excuse me, Durham is three hours from everything. Three hours from the mountains, three hours from the coast, three hours from Washington, D.C. Mm. It, it, it was mm. a wonderful place to travel. So we did. We went around and just drove everywhere and saw all the historical sites in the south. Mm. The south is a different country. <laughs> it's really different. Mm. So, Kathy, why don't you tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey and, and gaining a testimony and what that looks like in your life? Um, I grew up in the church, and it was never an issue for me. I didn't ever think that it wasn't true or have any uh, real doubts about it. My testimony, however, grew gradually over the years. I'd say it was step upon step. Steps, steps, steps. Line upon line. Mm -hmm. And it was through callings in the church that I feel like I gained the, being Relief Society teacher, uh, being the primary president, being it, all of those uh, experiences added to and helped strengthen my testimony. And I, I think for people who are searching and, and doubting and, and worrying about things, to just jump in with both feet and try it and give it a hundred percent and just see what happens because you can search and search and I've had friends who've done this and feel like they never come up with any answers so they just back out and I just feel like it's just the opposite I think the more you can uh, invest yourself in something the stronger you feel about it and that's true whether it's in the religion or whether it's in your family or whether it's in politics, whatever it is. I think if you engage and really immerse yourself in whatever it is you're trying to learn about or try to be convinced of or gain a testimony of, I think that that's honestly the best way to do it. And, and it's, at least it had worked for me. And I have really grown, I feel like, in, in, a, in what I feel like I now have a very strong testimony. I love that. I think that's fantastic advice. What, uh, where have you seen that, like those, the blessings of your family come from that mentality? Like, uh, I mean, how raising kids would sound like somewhat of a single parent and doing all this on your own. How, how, what does this look like now in your life with the fruits of that labor of raising kids in the gospel? Um, well, it's not, it's not 100% perfect. No. It isn't. Um, I mean, we have some children who are in the church and some who are not. Uh, we've had very um, unhappy marriages ending in divorce. We've had fantastic marriages that are strong. We've had, we just run the whole gamut. Um, there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees. And I think all that we can do as a parent, and I felt like that as a, as a mother growing, uh, raising children, that my example to them <clears throat> speaks much louder than anything that I can teach verbally. I mean, if they see me engaged in the gospel and also at the same time trying to be on the Salt Lake City School Board and play competitive tennis and <clears throat> do all these other things that uh, fulfill me, but seeing that the church is a, is a huge priority and that we will get up in the morning and we will go to church whether our dad is there or not. We're going to stay and take the sacrament no matter how rowdy everybody is on the bench. We're going to 
we're, that's a priority and, and it stuck with some and it didn't with others. And I don't know what, it, there's any magic formula. For over 30 years, Kathy was on the bench with the kids by herself. As I served in the high council as a bishop on the stake presidency, I mean, this was on and on and on, but she did a wonderful job in rearing our family. And I'll have to give her the credit for that. Thank you. Well, well and, and I have to say that there are a lot of doctors who, um, when they come home, want to be uh, free of the pressure sure. and free of everything. Just relax. Uh-huh. Let me relax. And Rich was just the opposite. He would always be a great father, and he would leave his problems and his patients at the hospital and never brought them home. Mm. And we always knew that we were his That's not easy number to do. one. It's not easy in a really, really tough practice like that. Um, with life and death situations every day, he would come home and, and just be a fantastic father. So I, I really have to give him That's credit awesome. for that. We lived right next to the golf course over there. And so I would come home in the afternoon and grab one of my boys and we would go play five holes, seven holes, nine holes, whatever, in the afternoon for about an hour. And that's how I got to connect with them. And then I went to a lot of ball games. Well, uh, not only that, but while he was the bishop, he was also coaching Little League football. Oh, yeah. So he connected yeah. there. I did that for 10 years. Uh, you didn't get a lot of sleep back then. Oh, man. It was, a, it was a busy time. And then he also wanted to build a cabin. So during those years... <laughs> He, he, we bought some property up on the Weaver and he took, um, <laughs> get off work and he would grab a few of the boys and they'd go up to the cabin after work and work until dark and then come home. So the cabin that we go to now is, is dear to the hearts of our kids you because bet it they is. have so much invested in it. It got to the point where they didn't want to go with me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because all I had them do was work. So I put in a basketball court uh, the, by our cabin. And now, then as soon as I did that, they were glad to come. As long as we could shoot hoops for a while before I could do the work. Smart. Can you tell us a little bit? You had a unique mission. We did. Recently. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. One we of my had, favorite things in our life. Yeah, it really was. Kathy and I have been sort of independent from each other for many years, mainly because I was in the hospital a lot. Sure. And she uh, was busy with the kids a lot. And I would get off and come to the ball games, and then I'd go back to the hospital. I'd get up in the middle of the night. I'd get up from Christmas dinner to go to the hospital when I got called. I mean, it's just that's <laughs> the way it was. And uh, we decided that it would be a wonderful opportunity for us to go on a mission and serve together. But we didn't know how it was going to be because we were never together as we were going through our marriage. <laughs> and so we decided one afternoon, actually, when uh, we were contemplating retirement, we got a call from Mike Dunn. And he was serving in South Africa at the time. He says, if you contemplate going on a mission, would you be considered coming to South Africa? I love it. And so we talked it over and we said, you know, that probably be a good idea. 
So uh, he promptly retired. We promptly <laughs> retired. So that's what got you to retire. That is. <laughs> well, I I was turning seventy that year, so it yeah. just all the timing was perfect. And so we went to South Africa, and it was a marvelous experience. Thanks to Mike and Linda, they Mike put us Linda. in a they put us in a, a a small town, four hours away from the uh, Johannesburg. Mm. So we were really on our own, and it was so great because Mike and Linda said. Just go and do good. Just go and do what you can. Just don't call us. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up going back to Joburg once a month for whatever, for different reasons, the temple and conferences and so on. But, but we were really able to create our own mission. It was so cool because we sought out opportunities to serve in the, in the community as well as in the branch. Um, and we taught institute and seminary, um, and I don't know. We just we were pastors in a in a little uh, home for women who had been abused, and it. I mean, there was just a whole variety you were in of that things. Area the whole time. Whole yes, time. we stayed there for a year and a half, which Except was a blessing. Except for a month when I went to uh, Joe, Johannesburg, where I was the area medical doctor for the whole southeast area because they had a hiatus. Uh, one doctor couldn't get his visa, so they had me come. Yeah, cover. And I yeah. did that for a month and a half. And, then and boy, we, did we appreciate and see firsthand what the church does in an area office. It yeah. is astounding. We had a wonderful experience there. Oh, my God. Got to know the area presidency very well and, uh, mm -hmm. and met with them frequently. And it was it was really good. And then we finished up our mission out in Nelspruit. But we, we loved our experience there. Out in Nelspruit, we had uh, sets of uh, junior missionaries. We had two that worked in the township and two that worked with us in our branch. And so we would have them over for dinner every week. We'd, pickle, we'd play pickleball every Monday with them. We had another couple that served with us that were in the township, and they were from Hurricane. And they were an older couple, just the nicest people. And so he was a very handy guy. So we built our own PVC pickleball net, mm -hmm. and we got some brackets, or the brackets and the ball sent to us. And so every P day we would play pickleball with with the junior oh, missionaries, and we just had a ball. To that's that. fun. And Richard would take him to Kruger Park to see the animals. Oh my! We went. I went to Kruger Park probably ten times. We oh. would go every time a new set of junior missionaries would come. We would take them out there. Wow, what an experience! And it was it was I loved it. We had so much fun. But my favorite thing about the mission was the opportunity to teach somebody actually several people who were baptized. It was really, really wonderful. And I felt guilty about it, but they actually requested us to do it rather than turn it, our, the time over to the missionaries, uh, the teaching over to them. And to, to see that whole process from the yeah. very beginning, finding them and, and, and watching them be baptized, I just, that was the thrill of the mission for me. That was in your branch. We, did, we taught seminary and institute. She taught seminary to the, all these young people, and they would bring their friends. And then I taught institute to uh, about seven or eight young people. College-age kids. College-age or high school-age kids. 
And interestingly enough, I got all of them to go on missions, oh, except that. for one. I, yeah, I even that. got uh, a, two girls to go on missions. Yep. And it was a marvelous thing. And we got to take, go with them to the temple to take out their endowments. I mean, We took we about it four or five experience. families to the temple oh, for their endowments. Can you feel the energy from this? Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Like, wow. Makes me want to really hurry up and finish my profession, my work, so I can no, retire. I highly and go. recommend it. Even if you haven't spent a lot of time together in your marriage, so you go risk it and go. <laughs> <laughs> we voted to stay together. After. <laughs> it was a miracle. It was a miracle. The interesting thing is, wherever Rich goes and leaves, there's a court left. Yeah. There's a. A There's some court. type of a court. <laughs> There's one in the cabin now. The basketball court is now a pickleball court. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. This has been fantastic. I, I didn't know about the mission, and thanks for bringing that up because that's mm. uh, sounds like it's been quite a. It was a marvelous thing. It's been home for what three three and a half years now. Five years this summer. Jeez. No. Yeah. No. Where does it go? Yeah. This, yeah, this pandemic so. has everybody's clock messed up. Yeah, I think that's the anyway. Problem. It was a marvelous time for us, and we, we were glad. So, did you come said, home when the Duns came home, or how was the? We overlap? came home three months after the Duns came home. Okay, because he came home three months. He was early. early. Yeah, I remember was, that. He came home because he was called to be the BYU guy, the BYU yeah, TV. communication guy. Yeah, BYU TV, and I, that's where I met him originally. Was I, I was yeah. got got him a car. And we were we were. Tickled yeah. because the Duns had several containers for their goods to send home, and they took all our stuff that we purchased, <laughs> including put it that, in their container. Not that giraffe. That giraffe. We, oh, had, yeah. to, we had to ship the giraffe. Pointing to the uh, wood <laughs> giraffe behind their TV. Yeah, cool. <laughs> anyway, well, they brought all the stuff home for us. We went over to their garage. When we, we were so home. grateful for their space. That's they fantastic. Got all the stuff. I love that. <laughs> no. Well, we certainly appreciate uh, you sharing some of these awesome experiences, and uh, man, this has been a joy. I uh, we, we like to leave with the the last question, and uh, maybe you've heard it, but a uh, hundred years from now, long after we're gone, hundred years, mm. this very podcast is going to be attached to Family Search, and your great 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 granddaughter son is going to click on play. And think about how powerful that would be if we could listen to someone in our family 100 years ago talk about what's important to them. We've got that opportunity. Uh, whoops, Kathy, we'll start with you. What, uh, what would you want them to know? Uh, that the path for true happiness and peace in your life is through Jesus Christ. And... If you have that rock-solid foundation in your life, you can live through anything. And not only just live through it, but be happy. I guess that's what I'd like them to know. Love it. Rich? I would say to my posterity that uh, the live your life in such a way that you can have no regrets and that you can serve your fellow men and serve your family. And if you do so, then you'll probably be in a good position to go back to see our Father in Heaven. Thank you. I can certainly feel of that spirit that, that you guys have bring to this, so thank you.
Thank you for having us.